Hi, my name is Aaron McManus. Welcome to the Battle Ready Podcast. I am here with my father. Now, why do you always call me father? I'm your dad. You're my dad, but I, but it's like a father-son thing, you know? All right. Well, I'm Irwin McManus, and it's good to see you, my son. It's good to see you, Dad. <laughs> so we, we, who is we? We as in you. We're a little <laughs> controversial on our podcast that released on Tuesday. Well, it's interesting to me that when I just lay out different um, perspectives or possibilities that, that sometimes people feel anxious because it it feels as if I might be indicting their particular view of the world or their political positions. And, and really, I was just saying, here are some things that we should pay attention to because this could be a cautionary tale. And uh, so we dropped this really fun podcast, this battle ready on uh, the end of democracy. And I just wanted to throw out the, you know, a conversation that maybe in two, three, five years, we might want to look back and go, hey guys, there were signs. Have you ever had something happen then you look back and you realize there were signs that warned you, but you pay, didn't pay attention to the signs? Yeah, pretty much like every relationship I've ever been in. <laughs> What? How uh, that's did a, that's we get a, that's here? That's a different episode, but yes. uh, that would be a really good episode. It though. would be a really good episode that I hope we never get to. And uh, <laughs> but uh, and so I, I felt, for me, and I guess I kind of drove that particular conversation. It was important to talk about. You were driving, and I was hanging out in the back of the truck, going, <laughs> "Please, someone get him to stop the car." <laughs> and but I, I just think sometimes. It's important to say things that it feels like it's, we don't have permission to say. Okay. And so I just wanted to bring out a few things. And and I'm a person that really loves my freedom. And I, um, I also uh, believe that given the opportunity, I can create a life in a world that uh, is better than one can be created for me by other people. Okay. And, uh, and, and I just want to see that opportunity given to as many people as possible in this world. I do find it interesting because this is kind of like a new page, new chapter, new book almost, a new volume in 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 your life because well one, you're not very you're 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 not very political. You you stay kind of apolitical, mm-hmm. but you do think and you think deeply and you think very intelligently and you have opinions and we we the camera turned off. And we were walking out, and he goes, whoever wins, I'm going to start breaking down their policies as well, whether it's the left or the right. Mm-hmm. And I just was and I just was mind blown, because you have this ability to place yourself as a Democrat, or as a Republican, or as a Libertarian, or as an Independent, and you can destroy an argument, and you can rebuild an argument, and you can help someone realize like the fallacies in their own <laughs> perspectives. And it's really fascinating because I don't have that ability well, quite yet. Well, one battle ready for me has created a new platform. Okay. Like I would never talk on Sunday mornings about the things we talk about on battle ready. No. So I, it's almost like I've put on a different hat. But we have gotten um, kind of in trouble for that a little bit because people, yeah. have, people have maybe, have, is it's mixed or the lines have been a little blurred. Yeah. And people go, how come you don't talk about Jesus more? And for me, is it, uh, that's that's really not the intent of battle ready, right? And, um, and then, and I I I don't feel I, I'm not sure quoting the Bible here at battle ready. That's no. not what battle ready is. We have talked about the Bible. Yeah, and so uh, whenever it's relevant to the conversation, 
I, I, you know, you bring it in probably more than I do. The Bible? Yeah. Yeah. And then I still really need it. Yeah. But even if I'm not talking about Jesus, my relationship with Jesus informs everything yes. in my life. Yes. But I would never hold Jesus accountable for my economic views or a lot of, or maybe some of my, um, you know, social well, political really views. Jesus simple and, about that. Give back to Rome what is Rome's. Yeah. And, and so I, but I, but I, I, you know, my, you know, your mom, um, Kim, uh, she's, <laughs> your wife, my wife Kim. She's a little nervous, you know, about She's me nervous. doing things and like this. Mariah's a little nervous too. Yeah, I, I, we were making the the women in our family system a little nervous. Well, they make me nervous almost every day of my life. So, but it's I, nice to make part flip of what I told her says like I script. It just gets so boring living your life in the construct of a pastor, where people only want you to talk about certain things, and I I just thought. It would be so nice to have a platform, not a, not advocating a particular position, because um, the controversy I create is not about choosing a particular position. It's about just raising particular questions. This is something that I love about you. You you think freely, and it's something very special and very unique because a lot of people don't, and I think that's the thing you want for people the most, other than to to have a relationship with Jesus and to one to just live a good life and be mm -hmm. a great person. You definitely want people to not be confined to a political party or to a social construct or to a class system, but to challenge everything. And, yes. and this is what I was saying. And this is what I was saying is that I grew up on personality tests. I was your guinea pig. I went through the Myers-Briggs <laughs> at like seven years old. Like, Dad, why am I taking this test? It's a little too early. Is I this know. the SATs? <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I did the Berkman. I did the Strength Finders. I was trained to train people in all of these things. Yep. At 19 years old, I was consulting with like businessmen in South Africa. Like, I was very confused <laughs> at what my life um, trajectory was. But, you know, now people take the Enneagram and and and. I'm an eight. I'm very, I'm very uh, challenge oriented, yes. and you are too. Which, you're not an eight, but you're, you, but you are challenge oriented. But you're very kind about the way that you do it, and you're a little <laughs> subversive as well. So, like, is this like a fun, uh, is this a fun space to, for you to actually get to like kind of build and break down and to kind of? Yes, if you're if you're if you're familiar with the enneagram, I guess I'm a five. And, uh, but honestly, uh, the Christian culture doesn't have a lot of room for fives. Why? <laughs> Tell me about fives. I don't really like pay attention. I always send friends the test because I'm always just curious. I think it's a great like conversation starter, but. Yeah. Tell me about a five. I don't really know much about a five. I just know, I really know a lot up? about me. <laughs> they know a lot about you. Okay. And I just think that I question everything, that um, ideas are the playground in which I feel most comfortable playing in. Okay. And, and so I, I feel like on Sunday, I talk about convictions, the convictions of who Jesus is, what the scriptures say about how to live your life and the humanity we can become and how God designs us for this life. And uh, and I and I, I take that really seriously. I see that as like a, a sacred trust. Yeah. And battle ready is where I feel like I have permission to talk about everything I don't know, I'm not sure about, um, and that I just want to think about and talk about and and look you can be a republican and a democrat or or a democrat and do good in the world and you can be i, I think people need to like re receive that let that sink into your that that people can be in an opposite political party as you and still be achieving goodness in the world and, and i don't know if people get that i think i, 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 I think don't that think they republicans do. think that democrats can do no good 
and the Democrats think that Republicans can't do any good. But there's also a class warfare that's emerging. And the, the narrative right now is that anybody with any wealth is evil. And what's interesting to me is I have a, a friend who began in extreme poverty, actually comes from uh, South America, from Colombia. Uh, his family was involved in uh, the Colombian drug cartel. And, uh, you know, his father and, you know, went to federal prison. He tells the story. And he tells it publicly? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, you're yeah. making me nervous. I'm no, no, sure. I know. I made you nervous. Yeah, yeah. No, I've heard him share. Okay. And, uh, and he had to take care of his family from his teenage age, you know, uh, years and and they were struggling in in poverty and uh, in south la area i think southgate downy somewhere down there and and out of really out of ruins built a multi-million dollar company where you know now you're talking you know probably a corporate wealth of a hundred million dollars and he makes decisions that could expand the company to 250 million and it just dramatically different life stage. And one of the things he said to me the other day, because he is very driven and he's not finished. I mean, I, I think he's going to create business structures that will probably eventually hit a billion dollars. And he said, I want to prove that you can have wealth and be good and do good. Mm. And he said that with such passion and earnestness. And I thought, how refreshing, because he said it in such a way where I believed him. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to cheer you on. <laughs> I hope you end up making $10 billion and just become an example of what a good human being who has $10 billion looks like. Yeah. And, um, and, I, and I, I just don't want to create a class warfare where poverty is the proof of goodness and wealth is the proof of evil. Uh, I've, you know, I mean, I've spent over a decade of my life working with urban poor and I can tell you there are really good people who are poor. I can also tell you there are really bad people who are poor. And and I have some of my life with many people who are worth billions. And I can tell you there are billionaires who are really good people and billionaires who are really um, destructive people. It has nothing to do with the money you have. It has to do with the, you know, the essence of your character. So anyway, that's where we were coming out of that podcast. But I want to talk about something a little bit different today if that's okay. It's totally okay. Let's do it. Because uh, right now, I'm um, a lot of my thinking is centralized around pain. Okay. And 2020 has been a year of injuries for me from 15 stitches in my face for where I... And a, and a paddle tennis paddle match. Yeah, and I went flying forward and the paddle hit the ground and bounced up and ricocheted to my face right under my eye. And, and I, I like confession there. I hit, I am the one who hit the ball in your direction and I scored and I was celebrating. And you thought I was faking when I was laying on the ground. Well, I did, when I, nah, come on, when, I, it. when I, yeah, you're a little, <laughs> you're not dramatic, but if there were Oscars for injuries, you would be nominated. 
And so I was nervous. <laughs> when I turned around and Mariah was running to you and I'm like, is he okay? Because I had scored and nothing had happened. You just missed it and you were like. Yeah. I didn't know I was bleeding until I saw Mariah's face. <laughs> yes. And then about seven towers later, like covered in blood yeah. on a trip in Mexico, I was I was very nervous. And then I was like, let's get out of here. There's no way you, you're getting your face stitched up in, 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 in this little town. You got, we got Shout to go out to, to the Mexican surgeon. She was brilliant. and She was brilliant. She was amazing. Really grateful for how she you, you, created a minimal scar. You literally cannot see it now. So anyway, from that to a week later playing basketball and hearing my knee explode and then having knee surgery a week after that, going through five weeks of recovery with the knee surgery and then spinning out on my electric bicycle and um, electric bike on a hard right turn and crashed and tore ligaments in my ankle. Two weeks or a week up the, after the other surgery? Knee. Yeah. yeah, two weeks, a week after the surgery. Or a week after I played basketball, five weeks after surgery, and then do you see what I have re-injured to deal with? my Just right so... rotator cuff that I tore before. Okay, and so that was now the last the pain for the last month and a half, and then finally went back and played basketball again. And one of my friends uh, didn't see me, ran full speed, caught me from behind in the shoulder, separated my shoulder, tore in you know, whatever the AC ligament, and um, and I'm in so much pain. Uh. And then me, like a dummy this morning, goes to hug him as he walks into the door. Because you, you reached in. This is the thing. You yeah, reached in. I go to grab him. And he just, just like, yelps. <laughs> and I just immediately, you, you know, you'd think that you would feel empathy. I would feel anger. Like, why did you let me hug you if, you, if you're injured? And I forgot. And because you also carry pain very well, and I think that's something we should talk about as well. You carry pain very well. That's the part we're going to talk about. As if no one notices. I'm one of the few people who can notice, mm-hmm. and and I wasn't. You walked in fine. You you looked great. You had shirt on. Like you had like a, you obviously like had a shirt on. I was like, okay, if he was that injured, mm-hmm. he wouldn't be able to put yeah. clothes on like this. And then I hurt you, and I was mad at you, and then I apologized, and now we're here. But and the reason I bring this up is because uh, when I had the knee surgery, the very next day I went into. Um, I keep calling it rehab, and everybody keeps saying, please don't call it rehab, because in LA, it just has a different meaning. Yeah. So I've been going to physical therapy to PT. Yeah, PT, yeah. And when you go to PT, they tell you, the first thing we do is work on range of motion. And when I had the knee surgery, I went in, I had 100% range of motion. So they said, well, this is what we usually spend the first few months on. So now we can just move on to strength, because you have 100% range of motion. I remember when I tore my rotator cuff, and they said, you know, you're in danger of frozen shoulder, except that instantly I, I had 100% range of motion. So when I tore, separated the shoulder, I went in again uh, yesterday to um, surgeon or doctor. And to get an x-ray and MRI to make sure your sh- shoulder wasn't broken. Because they thought it might be, the bone was bruised, so that might be broken. So Yeah. And uh, he goes, hey, let's, you know, we have to work on the range of motion. I said, no, I have 100% range of motion. And I showed him, I, I, can, I can move anywhere I want. It's just about pain tolerance. And one of the things I realized is that the great danger when you have an injury is the loss of range of motion. And it's not about your body's inability to move. It is about your inability to press beyond the point of pain. And one of the reasons I heal really fast is because of my relationship to pain. And I think that this is true not just physically, it's true emotionally for people and relationally and psychologically, and in the whole spectrum of spiritually. You're going to have a dramatic pause. <laughs> I mean, 
It's your show right now. It's your show. This week's been your week. It's your show. If you want pushback, just let me know. I'm right here. <laughs> How do you think you relate to pain? How do I relate to pain? I, let's talk about your relationship to pain for a minute, because I do think that at, at, at times I've become so callous to certain types of pain that I, I'm not aware of the damage I'm doing to my own self. Mm-hmm. I would say that mine would maybe be more emotional and spiritual, mm-hmm. relational, and yours would be physical, mm-hmm. that you've damaged your body so much <laughs> that when it gets hurt again, you, you don't have a proper gauge for pain. And I think that can actually happen in our spiritual lives, in our mm-hmm. personal lives, where we go in our relation, relational lives. We've damaged ourselves so much that we don't have that proper gauge to know when to call it, to Cut. know when to end, <laughs> to know when to go, okay, this isn't giving up. This is me being smart and pacing myself. Are you preaching at me on using Battle Ready as the format? Do you feel something in your heart? <laughs> Deep down. I feel like there's something else going on here because the first question Kim asked me is, so are you going to play basketball again? In other words, have you learned anything? And I looked at her and I said, of course I'm going to play basketball again as soon as I can. And this is why you married me. (laughs) This is why you love me. This is who I am. And being 62 isn't going to change that. And... And I know that you guys would like for me to, to reconsider this, my relationship to physical or athletic experiences. <laughs> I would like for you to consider and to reconsider a lot of things. If we're starting with your body in pain, I did call you and say, is it time for us to pick up golf? And you're like, my, between the two of us, we have really bad shoulder injuries. You're like, I think we'll both die if we play golf. It'll be the most painful experience for us. And I'm not good at golf. You're, you're, I, I'm sure you actually, we've played once time together. I think I literally passed out because I had a shoulder injury. And my rotator cuff tore, <laughs> and the pinched retore, nerve. and I, I had a pinched nerve, and I dropped. You blacked out. I blacked out because the pain was so bad. <laughs> at the driving range. I was range. in college at the driving range. We were prepping to play, Bever- I think the Beverly, like, I didn't know golf was so friends. dangerous. And I dropped. And I, and I don't know, it's super funny, actually. And I've played since. I've played with my brother-in-law, Jake Goss, and, and I'm not very good. I'm, I, yeah, I'm not very good. But well, anyways. But I think this is an important conversation because, um, in fact, my brother had sent me this um, story about a Navy SEAL, a guy who grew up and he was like the weakest guy and he was like the, the geek and, you know, the 50-pound weakling. And now he's became one of the top Navy SEALs in the world. And he actually talks about He actually about was it. extremely overweight, I think. Yeah. That was okay. his whole thing. It was actually, he was actually, he was the nerdy guy, but he was overweight. Oh, okay. I was opposite, and then, yeah. yeah, no, because you told me this. I remember mm-hmm. you told me after you talked to Alex and that he was like not eating well, he was super out of shape, couldn't, couldn't run a mile, all of these things. And he told himself like, I'm going to, like, I'm literally going to die. Like I'm on a path to like self-destruct if I do not change something. And then you, and then I guess there was like this crazy path of like how he became one of the top Navy SEALs. And he becomes an elite Navy SEAL. And he talks about, it's all about the relationship with pain. And the reason my brother sent me that is because I was talking to him about, um, one of the things I've seen over a lifetime is I have an unusual relationship to pain and that I never see pain as the limit of my capacity. And I love the fact that I went into this, uh, medical office and it had been six years since I'd been there and when they saw me they said ah you're the guy who heals so fast wow and I love having the reputation and uh your knee surgeon was it your knee surgeon yeah yeah yeah. and 
I, I want to throw out this thing, this possibility that this idea that everything in life has the potential to create pain and how you relate to that pain will either limit your future or, or prepare you for that future. That let's say for instance, like injuries, if you can deal with the pain, you can recover and regain full use, may become stronger than ever before. In a relationship, if you love and then you have heart, if you're heartbroken, then you love and you're heartbroken, that pain can actually limit your capacity to love because it limits your, your willingness to trust. And so that pain becomes a limitation and it, instead of, it, instead of becoming the material to build your future, it becomes the material that limits your future. In the same way in a business environment, if you start a company, you start a business and you fail, you lose a little bit of money or a lot of money, it doesn't go well. And it seems a lot of times whenever you start a business, you end up with haters around you who are going to tell you you're going to fail. And then when you do, it just reinforces that narrative. And if you let that pain become the, um, the boundary of your future, you may never risk to start another company again. You may never risk another venture again. And so I want to just throw out this, this idea that pain can become a self-limiting boundary that keeps you from living optimally the life that you could live. Mm. That's so good. I'm just going to give some silence so Brian can cut that into a great clip. And I think, I think there was moments in my life, even with you working together where, I mean, I said this on when we recorded the last podcast, which was Monday and it released Tuesday, that there's some days I just do not want to show up. And that's everyone. I understand that. I have a harder time admitting that, I think, sometimes because it's family and because it's obviously something that we care about and we've built so much. But I don't know if, if people, and not that, not that there's this ominous people, but I don't know if people really understand maybe how tolling, how, how big the toll, or how, what is it? How, yeah, how, is that? how heavy the toll is. How heavy the toll would be for some of the things that we do and the criticism. And some days it's fine. And some days I love it. Some days I'm like, you know, I say this and we were watching the world series and we're getting critiqued and I hid it from your Instagram because I didn't want you to deal with it. I'm sure Joe saw it, but he had already left the, the world series party thing that we were at. And, and then I, I just woke up the next morning and I was like, that, that guy didn't offset me, mm -hmm. but there was stuff in, in just in work where I was just like, I just, today I'm good. Like today I want to find a new job and move on and do something else and have anonymity and live on an island somewhere and surf every day, eat tacos and, and write books and under a pseudonym. <laughs> um, the true American dream. Uh, but, but I, you know, we keep showing up and I know that when you, you're starting a company right now, which is pretty exciting and we're keeping it pretty quiet. We've talked about it a little bit. We've referred to it, but you're starting a company right now. So maybe in the next month we'll do a podcast and I'll yeah. unveil. Maybe two weeks probably. What I'm doing. Yeah. Or yeah, two weeks till we can talk about it or maybe a month. Yeah, you're mm -hmm. right. Because I think we're going to do all the content for it. But right now, I just want to celebrate what you're doing with Pagan no, no, no. USA. Well, I'm, I'm making a point. I'm making a point. Making a point. We, started, we started a company together 10 years ago, maybe yeah. 12 years ago now. You started it. I was still in college. When I left college, I came and worked for you, um, worked with you for off and on for a very long time. And we lost that company due to just bad business partners. It was just a bad season. The company was becoming very successful. It was yeah. turning a profit. We were in the black, which was actually really incredible. Yeah, we were doing really well. Within three and a half years. Yeah. 
And there was like five companies underneath an umbrella. Like yep. there, it wasn't just one company. It was, there was a right. few different projects and it was really exciting. And then when you, but losing, it was devastating. Yeah. You know, lost everything I had. You had, you lost a lot of things, but you have an incredible ability to land on your feet. You have an incredible ability <laughs> also to, to, to write a book and to go and speak and to do all these amazing consulting things. And, and you're just dynamic. You know, when I was 23 years old, there wasn't a lot I was good at. I, and so I was still trying to figure out my way in the world. So now I'm 32. This is almost exactly 10 years later. You're starting another company. And it gave me so much anxiety. Like I didn't actually even want to talk to you about it for the first probably three months that you were working on it. You kept telling me, I'm working on this project. I'm working on this project. I built this team. I want you to help me. I want you to help me. And I'm like, no. I, like, Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. I just, I physically could not take the anxiety that it was bringing to my life because I didn't want to lose something again. You didn't want me to go back into this. No, it's not that I, yeah, no, I didn't want you 100%. I was like, please don't. Please don't do it to us again. I know. I finally had to decide to go do it anyway. Yeah. And then the moment I started doing it, then you jumped right in to help. Yeah. (laughs) So here we are again, working on your next collection. And, oh, dang, I said something. Um, Can you bleep me out? (laughs) Don't cut that. Just everybody listening. That was it. Wipe that out of your mind. Yeah. Wipe it out of your mind. Uh, your next project, and and I feel the ramifications of, a, of like a ghost pain, of that pain that was mm-hmm. 10 years ago, and I and I feel it now, even with building Pagan, even with building Batteretti, even the things, like sometimes it's hard to build something for me to know that I'm going to lose it, mm-hmm. and that's something for you that you just really have, like that is the difference in, in, in me and you, in, in between us. When I get hurt, I can be very resilient. Like physically hurt, I can be very resilient because I don't know if I have that much self-worth in my physicality. I value being <laughs> healthy. I value looking good. But if I break something, I keep going. Mm-hmm. You know, if I get... That's because you're raised with a mother and a father who probably have zero empathy for injury. <laughs> I remember. It's broken. Get up. You're, it's, you have I'm, another leg. <laughs> I remember. Yeah. I, I've definitely had a few concussions. I've definitely had a few face injuries where I was bleeding all over the place. And mom was like, so you're good. <laughs> Walk yourself to the car, put a towel on your head, and we'll go to the hospital, get your stitches, and you'll be fine. You know, it is what it is. But I do think that um, how do you how do we handle we handle things very differently? But how do we how do we get past those moments in our lives where we remember so vividly the pain that we've experienced? Mm-hmm. How do you forget? Like it feels like you almost forget. Like you actually do. You actually forget people that have like been mean to you. I've I, you've done it because I've seen you do it on planes where I'm I like know. this guy sitting next to you. Oh my gosh! And they'll be like, hey. Do you remember me? And you're like, no, like remind me. You don't even do it meanly. How do you forget so easily? It's, I, one, I think it might be a defense mechanism. <laughs> <laughs> Something it, going on internally. It's really it's odd. Like, you know, everybody has issues. but Control, delete. But I definitely don't have a bitterness issue. Like You don't. I, I just don't ever feel bitterness toward anyone, no matter how horrific they were. And I I've for- got like a ledger. Like, wait, what's your name again? Let me just scroll through. Hold on. Did something happen? Is there is there a skull by your name? Is there three? Okay, three X's. You're out. And I, I I'm not sure what happens. One is that uh, I I I never feel like anyone is more powerful in creating my future than me. Mm. So no matter what anyone else does, I, I never have a mindset that they just stole my future from me. So is that something in me that I need to change? Yes. <laughs> Could we make this a quotable? <laughs> Absolutely, 100%. Is that something in me I need to change? And you said yes. Okay. But let's break it down because I think... Yes, because... Um, the One, reason, I hold, what? 
Bitterness sets in when you feel someone has wrongly taken something from you. But they did. Like that isn't that yes, is something we still argue about. Ten years ago, they took something from us. Yes, and I lost a multi-million-dollar company because of unethical decisions a business partner made. Yes, and I don't know if we're allowed to talk about. It. We can because we never sign anything. Just as long as we don't say names. Yeah. yeah, but we. I get frustrated because, like to me, I was like. Let's sue him. Yes, I know. And I even had counsel from I mean, really thoughtful Christian leaders who said, very you, need, you, need, you need to sue them. Like You're, sue them bad, like sue yeah. them for every, like everything. Yeah. And, and I did not. And, it's, and it bothers me. And it was hard for you that I refused to fight for- When we were losing everything. Yeah, and for the wrong that they did. And, and I think the reason is because I just, I've never been afraid of having nothing. Because I always believe I can create something. But do you ever feel like you project your ability to create something out of nothing on other people? Like I was definitely 23 being like, yo, I got, I have like really nothing. Like my nothing's really nothing. Like I'm in the negative now. Like then there's, I don't know if I can get back out and you know what I mean? And we've- Yes, I did project that on other people throughout my life. Okay. Because I've never thought of myself as better than anyone or more gifted than anyone, or more talented or more intelligent than anyone. So I always work from the assumption that anything I could do, anyone else in the world could do. So I've come to realize that people are different. Do you feel like that's, okay, yeah, keep going. No, no, I'm different. And, I, and, and that not everyone has the same generative capacity. Okay. And so now I understand it more as a stewardship. Okay. And so I look at something and I go, oh wow, if I, if I take this risk and step into this courageously, and creatively, I could employ 10 more people by starting this business. And I see that as a part of my stewardship. Right. See, I actually do think creating jobs is a part of my social responsibility mm. because I'm capable of that. Mm. Now, not everyone's capable of creating work for other people. Yeah. Some people, the best they can do is getting get a good job and do a great job. Right. But if you have the capacity to create wealth, if you have the capacity to create work, I think you have a moral obligation to do that so that other people can find their right place in that space you've created. Right. So I, I, I see it that way. Okay. And so I think the first thing is I try not to uh, ever hold on to bitterness. I don't even try not to. I just don't hold on to bitterness. Right. And a lot of it is I don't, um, I don't give that person the power over my future. I go, okay, I just lost something really significant. And it took me a while. I mean, I, I probably lost 20 five pounds when I lost the company. Yeah, you probably lost 25 million. That's, that's <laughs> I lost a lot of money. I lost yeah. a pound per million and uh, I couldn't eat for almost a month. I couldn't I, hold down food. We fasted, but I don't know if it was a fast or if it was a- it, We it ended was, up with the fast. The first 10 days, I just couldn't hold down food. And then after that, we decided let's make it an intentional fast and we went f- for a month. We went for about, yeah. I, a month, I, think. I think you went for six weeks. Maybe for longer, yeah, maybe yeah, six weeks I, or so. I had a month, I remember I was in New York and I was like, I think I'm gonna eat. It was like a Sunday yeah. night and I was like, I think I'm gonna have dinner tonight. Yeah, I think I at least and went we 40 days yeah. fasting. Which was interesting because I was like, barely a Christian, like barely found my <laughs> yeah. faith. And I was like still a mess and I was fasting and I was like, I don't understand why I'm doing this, but my, but we're doing this. And so, and I'm hungry and, and, but, but it was like a transform transformative time. Yeah. And, and for me that fasting was about an etch a sketch, wiping away the past so that I could step into a future. And you have to let go of the past to take a hold of your future. And that's where you have to, and there's something about pain. You know, every great athlete has a um, a dysfunctional relationship to pain. 
because eventually the pain becomes addictive and that addictive pain moves you to greatness. And so part of the reason I wanted to create this new company that I'm creating and do these new projects is that I've, I've held on to material for 10 years that I had when I was working before in the, um, in the fashion industry. And Kim wanted me to get rid of it or sell it or do something. And I just had it in a warehouse for 10 years because I said, one day I'm going to redeem what was lost. And so there's, there's this little thing inside of me that I'd like to call resilience, could be stubbornness, where if the story doesn't end well, I refuse to let it be the last chapter of mm -hmm. the story. And I go, oh, no, that, that pain will be wasted if I don't take that pain and give it a, a better ending. I want to give it its heroic narrative. And so if you could just see pain as the material from which you can tell your better story, you know, where you can actually elevate. So what you're saying is the last 10 years was our Christian Bale and Batman Begins when we're in like the mountains <laughs> in China. Or no, no, not in China. I guess it was Tibet. Tibet. Yeah. yeah. Working and we're well, becoming... Whether it's China or not is politically questionable. <laughs> so we are... I don't want to get into that. We are, So we are going... Would you say the last 10 years was, was a desert season for us? Like, And I mean that by like we were just kind of wandering through the desert. Because I don't feel like that. I feel like... No, we've accomplished feel, so much good. Yeah, I feel like I've, we I've just buried moved, myself. We channeled the energy a different way. So what's interesting is when uh, I stepped away from the business world, I stepped full force into Mosaic. We watched amazing things happen. We ended up getting a location here on Hollywood Boulevard. You went from 30 to 3,000 people within how how, how long? It was like a blink of an eye. Yeah, you know? no, but like actually, like how long? You went... Um, we went from 300 people to almost 13,000 in 10 years. Yeah. And so that was a, like, I'm just, I'm using the Easter number because yeah, we had yeah, 300 yeah. on Easter. That right. was, that was our high, yeah. big attendance. That was our bragging number, yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah. and not, not the other Sundays where I was just talking to empty space, but yeah. um, it's pretty amazing how that has happened. And, and so a part of, uh, a part of for me is your relationship to pain needs to be, uh, first of all, realizing it can become a psychological barrier of your limitations. And whether it's in love or in business or uh, whether it's your physical limitation or emotional limitation, and, and it's just like with trust. You you cannot be effective in life without trust. And you and I, we talked about this. I'm I'm fast to trust. You're pretty so slow, slow non-existent maybe. And, and I so, don't know if I ever trust or if I just tolerate. But you asked you asked me a great question a month ago about collaboration. When did I learn how to collaborate, or when did I commit to collaboration? And a huge part of collaboration is trust. You cannot collaborate effectively if you don't trust people. And and I think a huge part of my success has been, I've decided that the world works better when you have. Um, trust in abundance. And if you trust people, I, I trust people without it being earned. And so, of course, there'll be betrayal. Of course, there'll be disappointment. But I would rather trust everyone and be disappointed with some than trust no one and literally write everyone off. And you cannot be... You should try it sometime. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of nice. No, you know where it's not nice? You don't trust. You end. Up, you you don't ever have an intimate relationship. Yeah, you know, 
You don't trust, you never know love at its deepest level. You don't trust, you'll never uh, achieve your economic or business potential. If you don't trust, you'll never walk with God at the depth of your spiritual journey that you um, were created for. Without trust, your future is lost. Before we close, I'm gonna grill you just a little bit. Sure. You're a person who struggles with trust. Mm -hmm. Is that a yes? Yep. Okay, I know. It's just you have to trust me for a minute. Okay. All right. So when you ever have a situation where you don't trust one, but you need you need to trust them? I don't really put myself in situations where I have to trust people. Yes, you do. <laughs> I'm going to push back. No, I do, but I feel like a lot of the times I'm in the con I'm in control. Where I feel like I, I put myself in the position where I'm in control. Do you feel like that limits your life? So instead of it being trust, there is to a degree a trust in that I helping trying to empower people's talents. You do do that. I do. You I actually mean, entrust a lot of power to people. But that's also because I, I think internally, maybe a thing that people don't know about me is I'm, a, I'm actually a big fan of people. You are a huge fan of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I'm like, maybe I don't trust them. But it's not even about trust. It's like, I just like them as people. Yeah. I think that you're actually, your area where you struggle with trust is interpersonal in your mm, private world. Probably. But you are very trusting in your professional world. Yep. You build teams, you empower people, yeah. you elevate people, mm -hmm. and you love putting people on a platform that was actually offered to you. Yes. Okay, so trust is a thing I'm working on. Mm -hmm. I do, I, I, someone asked me, I didn't know, I asked this question to people, and I asked this question to um, someone recently, I can't remember who it was. I said, what, this is a question I like to ask people that I just meet, um, what's your greatest weakness? And someone responded to me very interestingly. Um, why would I tell you that? Such a good answer. It's such a good answer. That's that's the right answer. It is the right way. answer. But I do. I love it. And, and I and I and I like sat and I was like, why would you tell me that? And mm -hmm. it was because you'd use it against me. <laughs> it's, I don't know. It's such an interesting idea, right? That'd be funny. If somebody said, "Was well, uh, my greatest weakness is I'm way too transparent to tell everybody everything <laughs> that's wrong with me." I feel like it's better to tell people what, where where to look instead of them finding it and being like, "Well, what, what, this was here the whole time." And like, no, I was there from the beginning. So I'm going to ask you. Uh, you avoided it, so I'm going to ask you another question. Okay. Um, I didn't avoid it. You didn't avoid it, but you didn't answer it. And which what what, did I, what didn't I answer? Uh, what uh, have you ever not trusted someone, but you had to trust them? You needed to trust them. You obviously know the answer. So, so. No, the reason I'm asking you is because. You yeah, can't. Yeah, God. You you okay, you, you can't successfully. I don't do want it. to, but I have to because okay. I, you started pagan with a couple of friends, right? Yes. All of you have some experience, and none of you have enough experience, right? So you have to trust each other, even though. But I don't. But I don't. But okay, okay, okay. So I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go out and say I don't trust Matt and Eric. I do trust Matt and Eric with, with um like my best intention. Like they, they're always going to have my best intention. Right. But I don't trust them to, to do it if I can do it. All right. Can you see how limiting that could be in life? Well, but that's, but also that's <laughs> not true because like they both handle, like they definitely do both handle so much of what they have to take care right. of for the company. So you have to find people that you trust in their character. Okay. You may, you so may then not I do trust them then. You I, do. Then I, yeah. So yeah, you see, that's yeah, what I'm saying. I'm not going like, to fight that. Then. Sometimes you, you, you know that a person maybe isn't full of the competencies necessary. They're going to mess up. But neither am I. Right. But you trust each other's character, so you know you're always going to have the best intention and best motivation. Right. 
Because I think sometimes it flips around because when you don't trust people, guess what really is happening? What's happening? You don't trust yourself. Mm. And so, well, <laughs> thanks for listening to the Battle Ready podcast. And so you end up. I'm going to go to therapy now. <laughs> so you end up living a life of insecurity. Okay. You end up living a life of self doubt, mm. and you end up living a life where you're closed to opportunities and emotions and experiences. Is anybody else hot in here? I'm hot. <laughs> I'm hot. So here's the thing. How you trust others is the best mirror to your healthy relationship to, of whether you trust yourself. And that's all the time we have for today, folks. And we gotta stop this <laughs> in front of everybody. Which is a good 360 because we started talking about pain. Yes. <laughs> and then we started talking about my personal life. <laughs> and you cannot move toward to a, um, a universe of trust without pressing through the pain of disappointment, broken relationships, uh, hurts, and even betrayals. And so what I would encourage everyone to do right now is to maybe take a moment and examine the invisible boundaries they've allowed themselves to be confined within because of the pain they've experienced and to realize that the bridge through pain is usually trust and that as you learn how to trust others, even though you maybe have had misplaced trust in the past, you will become more free. It is better to trust and be disappointed than to not trust and be alone. Is there not a third option? <laughs> is there not a cheat code? This is exhausting. And this is why we must be battle ready because life is a battle. <laughs> and as the great philosopher once said, love is a battlefield. <laughs> Wasn't that Pat Benefield or Benatar? Benatar. <laughs> Benatar, right. <laughs> An 80s musician. Okay, okay. thank you. Okay, it wasn't Locke or... We are going to wrap this up. Is that cool? Okay, is that right. okay? Yeah. I think this was a lovely episode on pain. And trust. And trust. Uh, my name is Amy McManus, and I'm here with my father, Earl McManus. If you are listening, if you are watching, if you are sharing, if you are being shared with... We are so grateful. We love you guys. Thank you for the emails. Thank you for the DMs and the messages and the video messages and the comments and the likes and the sharing. And thank you for buying merch and, and supporting. Uh, honestly, that would think it was just, we, we threw up a capsule this week. We may leave it up. We're not sure. But we know we want for people to be able to associate with what we're building here. Question everything. Think freely. And have the best week. And don't be afraid to be wrong. Just uh, be afraid to be uninformed. I like that one. That's good. All right. You can rate and review the podcast on iTunes. You can listen to it on Spotify. And you can watch it on YouTube and so many other places. We love you guys. Have a great day. All right. Take care.